Tonight, a closer look at how this escalation in Ukraine could impact you. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. The Russia-Ukraine conflict has escalated. Gosh, Steve, I wish I could say we were surprised by this, but this is... Saw this one coming. You called it. You, you <laughs> yeah. said it was a head fake from the get-go. Yes. Good for you. Putin, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, it appears that this is moving forward, and you've got the European Union, you've got the U.S., you've got everyone possible taking sanctions across yeah. against Russia. Like Russia's going to say, oh, gosh, you're right, right? The yeah. slap on the wrist, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. I think what we're going to continue to see is this escalation escalating. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a phrase. Yes. No, and, you know, it's really interesting because when, when this all started to blow up uh, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, I was checking stock futures. And, and futures are just, you know, where the market is expected to open up in the morning. Yeah. And, and stock futures were down five, six hundred points. I'm thinking, wow, by the time I go into work on, on Tuesday, uh, we might see the market down a thousand points. And, you know, that wasn't the case. And, and, and what's what's interesting is how... There is a knee-jerk reaction to geopolitical events like this uh, uh, with a certain segment of investors of just sell, just sell, get me, get, get me out, and let's see what happens later. And that, in so many cases, is the exact wrong thing to do, but it does impact your portfolio, my portfolio, 401ks, IRAs. It does impact our money, so we should talk about it. Well, and I think historical perspective always is is good to bring into conversations like this one because, yeah. you know, we've got brilliant economists who work for us. And I was just looking at something today about, you know, any kind of geopolitical event that you want to look at and the impact it had on the market. And, and to me, I think the interesting data to look at is how long did it take us to recover from yeah. that? I mean, even if you want to go back to 9-11 and, and I, I, I cannot remember a more I'm 45 years old, a more uncertain time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, being a lot like there was so it was so very scary uh and i think it took 19 days for the market to fully recover from that four days to hit bottom uh so when you think about numbers like that if you are scared if you do kind of have this knee-jerk reaction to things like what's going on with russia and the ukraine right now i think you only have to look back at events like that to say our the market and especially the U.S. economy is bigger than all of this. It really is, and I don't want to say this is not a big deal because it obviously is a big deal. But as far as your money and my money, it's really a short-term impact. It's it's not that big a deal in the long term, and and that's really what we should be investing about. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where where there we did an analysis of. Okay, there were 12 major geopolitical events going back to Pearl Harbor, including mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. And out of those 12 major geopolitical events, 9-11 was also another one of them. One year later, what was the impact on the stock market? And the answer is, well, nine out of those 12 times one year later, the market was up an average of 8.6%. The only three times the market was not up a year later was when we were in a recession. So let's take a look at where we're at now. Are we in a recession? No. We've got the exact opposite problem. We've got inflation because the economy is heating up and growing too rapidly. So maybe this time it's different, which are the four most dangerous words in the English (laughs) language for investors. But maybe it's not different. Yeah, You know, maybe, yeah, short term, a lot of concerns. We're going to talk about them. A lot of concerns could impact your money. But a year from now, is this going to be a big deal if we don't get into a shooting war, if we don't uh, uh, wind up in a recession, I'm not so sure it's something I'm real worried about long term. 
Yeah. Now, short term, uh, you might feel something. And, sure. you know, they say timing is everything. But here we are coming out of this pandemic where we absolutely shut down not just the American economy, kind of the global economy that's yeah. never happened before ever since we've come out of that. Right. Then you put on top of that when you look closer at Russia and the Ukraine, what they produce, yeah. what we get from them, what we need from them. And that's where I think it might be like piling on top of a lot of issues that we're already dealing with. Grains and wheat, right? Yeah. I, I actually didn't know this, that so much of that comes out of Russia, major producer of grains and wheat, major exporter of those into the U.S. So you think about what you've already been paying at the grocery store, the inflation that you've been dealing with. If there's a scarcity of those kinds of products, well, once again, add to that, you'll be paying more. Well, and it's not just that, but let's take a look at some money flows since the first of the year because the stock market has been volatile even before all this happened. I'm looking at some incredible numbers. The first seven weeks of this year, $160 billion has come out of money markets, and a lot of that's gone into the stock market, $17 billion out of bonds. Why is that? Because usually when you see stuff like this going on, Amy, you, you see people pull money out of stocks and put it in safe havens. They want to get away. They yes. want to get away. They want to be safe with their money. Well, when inflation, and, and this is the interesting part of this discussion, when inflation is all of a sudden at 6 or 7% and your money market's earning half a percent, are you going backwards or are you going forwards? People are more concerned about their real rate of return than what's going on in the Ukraine in the short term because they're getting a half a percent on a money market. Inflation's at six. We call that going broke safely. So you're yes. not going to keep your money there forever. And this, yeah, let's take a hard look at where the money's going, what we need to do, what we need to discuss about the, the invasion of, of the Ukraine. But, you know, there's a lot more going on than just this with your money and what's making your money move. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC as we dig into what is going on right now with Russia and Ukraine, uh, how it will impact you from your 401k to the price that you pay at the grocery store. Ukraine is projected to be the world's third largest exporter of corn this year and the fourth largest exporter of wheat. You look at Russia on top of that, right? Russia is the world's top wheat exporter. Uh, and yeah, those are going to add to your grocery prices. I didn't realize, though, Russia also played such a huge role, Steve, in aluminum, nickel, yeah. metals yeah. that we use all the time to make things. Yeah, R Russia is a massive country with incredible amounts of national resources. And, and, you know, part of the deal with the Ukraine is, well, they've got the Black Sea ports. If you're going to export, how do you get it out of your country? Well, guess what? The Ukraine is right there. So expect a lot of supply issues, not like we, you know, haven't seen these already. We're already dealing with supply chain issues. This is going to compound supply chain issues of these products that are exported by Russia. So there's going to be some disruptions while all this is going on. I mean, really, what Putin is dealing with is he was he was a CIA uh, guy. I mean, up at the, not CIA, KGB. He was yes. at the top of the KGB when Russia, the Soviet Union, fell apart and lost all of its satellite countries. And, and so, you know, what he's looking at is he wants to kind of get back on the world stage and Build maybe back. And, and get rid of some of these changes that happen when when the Berlin Wall uh, fell. And, and you know, it, it's I he's he, I don't know where he's going to stop. He may stop where he's at. He may not. I, and that's the big question. Wall Street doesn't like uncertainty. So expect more volatility until this thing de-escalates. And I hope it de-escalates soon.
Another issue that I think we're going to see continue to play out. We've already been dealing about this, but the pain at the pump, right? We're paying significantly more than we were just one year ago. Now you look at the price of a barrel of oil around a hundred dollars the normal average is about 40 50 bucks you know that is without a doubt going to be added on to what you're already paying and you can feel sorry for us and i certainly do but i feel really sorry for those in europe right i mean uh, germany was working on something with russia right a pipeline that was going to help ease any issues that germany had um getting oil now uh that entire project has been put on hold as part of these sanctions and and that's an interesting thing i think too about these sanctions yes the sanctions are against Russia, but ultimately it impacts everyone else too, right? It hurts yeah. their economy, but it hurts everyone. Well, and and yeah, don't don't expect Putin to to be worried about these sanctions. I, uh, I don't think like he a really slap on the wrist. Yeah, I don't think he really gives a rip. And and that you know Germany's between a rock and a hard place because they don't produce much, if any, of their own oil. Yeah. So they've got to get it from somewhere, and Russia's right next door with monster resources. It's kind of like we were with. OPEC back in the 70s. Yes. You know, that's that did not work out well for about 10 years or so. So I, I honestly, I think the bigger issue on, on all of this, yeah, inflation is a big problem. I think that that is much bigger than what's going on w- with Russia and the Ukraine. But I, I think the second biggest story, Amy, is energy prices, because mm-hmm. these are two items that hit the, the the working poor in, in the United States, the hardest. I mean, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and, and you go and, and see the price at the pump go up to four bucks, maybe even higher, and inflation is making everything cost more, it's it's really impacting your life. And, and we're looking at $100 a barrel oil right now. Here's the good part. Here's the really good news out of this. We have developed such an infrastructure for production. Keep in mind, two years ago, we were a net exporter of oil. Well, we still know how to produce oil from fracking, except if it costs 60 bucks a barrel to get out of the ground, um, when uh, the cost of oil is 40 bucks a barrel, well, you're not going to you're not going to do it. That makes now, sense. Yeah. Now that it's at one hundred dollars a barrel or ninety ninety five dollars a barrel, you can just go right back into your old uh, wells and, and frack and, and get more production to reduce the, the cost of oil. So we've got we've got some leeway in this country that other countries like Germany don't. So we'll get through it. But I, yeah. I feel I feel bad for situations like that. We'll get through it. In the meantime, inflation, right, might continue to tick upwards into a small degree because of what's going on. Market volatility, yeah. Market volatility is huge. But then also, let's just bring back around some perspective because what? It's every 18 months to two years, we see a market correction, a pullback of about 10%. Yeah. And and it's interesting, too, because I was talking to Scott Sloan over on 700 WLW this morning, and he was saying, yes, but there's this and this and this, and you pile all these things on to each other and it's scary and we've yes but you can go back and look at any time in our country's history you can pull the headlines from that time you could say this is not something that we can recover from we always do we always bounce back a 10 percent correction is actually a normal healthy part of the cycle regardless of what you can attribute it to yeah i mean that's actually a, a nice easy correction Generally, they're 10 to 15 percent and, and whatever the trigger is, you know, it yeah. could could be Russia going in the Ukraine. It could be something totally different. Something pretty darn benign could cause it. You're just you're kind of do. You know, yeah. if the market goes up more than more than expected, it's going to come down in a correction once every year to two years. 
Here's a Simply Money point. The Russia-Ukrainian conflict, it could impact how much you pay for groceries, gas, and more. As for your investments, though, keep an eye on the long term. You should be able to weather this storm. You know, inflation can be a confusing topic for some. How much more am I paying? What does this look like? But if you need some understanding, just head to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac. What? We'll explain exactly what we're talking about in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, well, subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcasts. So you've probably come to the conclusion Social Security isn't going to cover you in retirement. And if you're worried about running out of money, well, we've got some ideas for some side hustles to supplement your income. We'll get into those at 643. So if you're trying to figure out, oh, inflation and these rates and, and, and how to make sense of it all, maybe even explain it to your kids, well... Head to McDonald's <laughs> and buy a Big Mac. Steve, we're not joking about this. I know. And, and okay, I'm going to age myself here. I remember the first McDonald's coming in, not in my hometown, about three towns over, six, Ooh, seven miles away. Big deal. And, and I'm trying to remember what the price was, but I think it was around a buck. And how outrageous. Who would pay a buck for a burger? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's one of the ways you can track inflation. And, and the Big Mac Index, it was invented in 86 by uh, by The Economist. And, and it's one way to track what prices are doing. Guess what? The cost of a big Big Mac is going up a lot quicker than some other things. Think about it: soybean, grains, beef, uh, with the cheese, like all of the components, right, <laughs> of a Big Mac. Probably some of them I don't even know and probably don't care to know, but are good indicators of how much how much prices are up. You're right, forty percent over the last ten years, and it's really not even just a Big Mac. I'm getting hungry talking about this. Um, <laughs> But the Whopper, right? The Whopper has always been on the value menu at Burger King. And they recently said, hey, guys, because of inflation, we can no longer keep the cost that we're charging you of the Whopper down. So it got kicked off of the value menu. Well, I, I, I've, I've always been a Burger King versus McDonald's person, personally. Okay. Yeah, it's, I, I love, I, well, I, I shouldn't say this after having heart issues. <laughs> I, I kind of have given up this, this kind of stuff, which is probably a good thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean. How much of a value is it when you're spending? Oh, it's a Big Mac even these days. It's around six bucks, six I, and a half I, bucks, something like it? that. I don't, I don't know, but I can tell you, we're not not big, a buck anymore. We're not big Big Mac eaters. Yeah. We're more on the, the chicken nugget train. Good for you. But even you know, eating been, healthy fast. Yeah, food. yeah, we're yeah, a really healthy go. family, so I yeah. look down on you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, just like going through the drive-through, and actually, we went to the McDonald's drive-through over the weekend. My daughter had a track track meet really early in the morning. So it was three of us and it was just grab a quick breakfast. Oh, sandwich high school athletes. They're, they're, yes. they're, they're the best at nutritional food. Well, yes. And yeah. they're best at inflating how much you pay for things because yeah. you also have to have a coffee drink apparently now at the age of 16. <laughs> but it was like 16 bucks. And I was like, gosh, that was more than I would have expected just for a quick drive through of McDonald's. So anyway, yeah. another way to show that, hey, we're all paying more right now. Well, now, and, and, and I think, you know, we talk about inflation being super high at six or seven percent but this is the real world amy i, I yeah. mean these are things that people go out there and they're doing every day and they're not seeing six or seven percent they're seeing higher numbers so you know i get when the government's pretty good at tracking this stuff but it's not necessarily your world or my world i think inflation's a little higher than what we don't like already as being a high number yeah another thing that we don't like 
pay inequalities. And this comes up a lot, um, you know, time to time it grabs the headlines. But Steve, I think it's worth talking about because women have come a long way in the workforce without a doubt, right? It's not rare today to see women in the upper echelons of leadership. And I know a lot of really smart, amazing, great leaders who happen to be females. They belong there just as much as anyone. This really shocks me and saddens me in all seriousness. I, I mean, you would think we'd be making progress towards equality between men and women, never mind you know, all the other issues we've got going on. And, and yet the numbers coming out are showing that the pay gap between top women executives and their male counterparts, it's widened. And yes. it's widened substantially. We're looking at, you know, it was 88 cents pay disparity in 2018. The last number we're looking at is 75 cents. Yeah, so for every dollar, every dollar, every dollar that a man in those C-suite roles and those top executive roles make, yes, there are women that are at that same level, but those women are making 75 cents on the dollar. Uh, they were making 88 cents on the dollar in 2018. So, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. We're heading in the opposite direction. And this research also dug into... It's almost like, yes, there's maybe one female in that top executive level in the C-suite. But when you look at more than one woman at that level, it's a rarity that you have a company led like that. It really is. And and, um, I've never been a woman. Uh, I think you have better (laughs) that I'm aware of. I I think you've got better perspective on this. It it, it should be. I'm I'm guessing it's got to bother you incredibly because you're a successful, smart uh, woman. And and, and here we are. We're we're going backwards on pay and equity. And when you dive into it in a little more detail it's not so much on the salary side it's on the the stock option side you know yes. we're going to give you stock options and, and i i don't know maybe the research hasn't been done by some of these women maybe I, i'm not sure what the reasons are but there's a massive disparity with the package uh, the compensation package being given to these top women executives i like to think what you bring to the table is what you bring to the table, right? Regardless of, of what your sex is. But, you know, it surprised me when several years ago, a, a dear friend of mine who works here in Cincinnati, um, in the same role and exactly the same role because, uh, she was a news, she was a news anchor, uh, and she had a male co-anchor and it came to light to her that how much she was making compared to how much she was making. They both had the same kind of background, education, Ooh. experience yeah. that they brought to the table. So, it does still happen. Um, and I would say for any of you out there, male or female, if you feel like you're not being compensated for what you bring to the table, there has never been a time like this, right? During the yeah. great resignation where you have a voice, you have leverage, you have power in the workforce. And I would say start with keeping track of your work accomplishments. And Steve, I'll just be totally transparent here. I keep a file on my laptop and it's called Above and Beyond. Okay. And anything that I feel like I do throughout the year that is above and beyond kind of my normal, you know, we do the show and we do TV and things like that, that really kind of just adds some value overall. I just kind of track it. Well, and I, I think that's smart. And, and yeah, you want to always be aware of your value and, and do your research. I mean, if you're you're not being compensated properly where you're at. Look elsewhere, and the window is closing. We, we're in a tight labor market, but it's not going to be that way forever. I, I think this is the perfect time. If you're not being compensated properly, um, let's address it. And are you procrastinating doing your taxes right now because of the mess at the IRS? Well, our tax expert is going to weigh in next with some ways to help you navigate the choppy waters. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. It's everyone's favorite season, isn't it? Almost tax season. And joining us tonight is Michael Mursky. He's VP of Tax Solutions at Allworth Financial. You know, Michael, I keep hearing that this year might be a lot more complicated than years past because of uh, the child tax credit and the stimulus money that we got. Letters that are uh, coming in the mail to everyone. Let's talk through that. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, you know, there was some confusion even uh, last year on 2020's returns because of some of these stimulus payments that the government sent out uh, in late 2020 and, and early 2021 that actually applied to 2020. So it's a similar situation, but, um, you know, the IRS is, uh, according to them, trying to do their part. You know, they are sending out letters to everyone, two different letters, uh, 6475, talks about the uh, economic impact payments and uh, letter 6419 talks about advanced child tax credit payments uh, that they've at least issued. Um, so, you know, if you uh, prepare your own returns, try to grab those letters. If you have someone uh, preparing the returns for you, um, I'm sure they're requesting those. So, you know, include those with your normal W-2s, 1099s, and that, that should help, um, you know, make the uh, reporting process go a little smoother. Michael, what is your advice for someone who does prepare their own tax returns? Does this make it a lot more complex, or is it really just kind of the matter of holding on to this letter? Well, I think it's, uh, it really depends on the person's comfort level. You know, if you're using software like TurboTax, you know, I've never used it, but I believe it does a pretty good job of asking you questions. So if you kind of go through that process, if you have those letters, um, I think it will help. Um, you know, even preparers, you know, uh, again, sometimes the data doesn't match the letters and there can be discrepancies. Um, and so um, I think you can still do it on your own. Um, you know, and if there's a discrepancy, you'll hear about it from the IRS. <laughs> They'll find you, right? Uh, what else? What else should <laughs> we? Ex you. Yeah. What else should we expect for this tax season? Anything else that's going to maybe look or feel a little different this year? Um, well, you know, a, a couple things, you know, just as we're talking about the IRS real quick, you know, they, to, to put it lightly, you know, they're a mess, you know, they're still <laughs> dealing with a backlog, <laughs> you know, they're, they're still dealing as of December, you know, they had a backlog of like 6 million unprocessed tax returns from 2020. Oh, they have 5 million unprocessed pieces of correspondence. And, and so there's still some people waiting for tax return uh, refunds from, from 2020. And so they're a mess. And so, you know, um, I ask people that do use a prepare that have had issues with the IRS, you know, most of the time uh, it can be the IRS. So don't always blame your preparer if you get a notice from the IRS because they're really behind in, in simple things like even processing payments. So, you know, if you sent in a check, you may still be receiving a notice from the IRS. They, they may think it's still due, even though you paid it and they cashed the check. They just didn't apply it to your account. So it's a real mess. So just, you know, hopefully everybody can kind of keep that in perspective. I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. And so, you know, we may have the same issues this next year. And that, that actually does kind of roll into a, a general planning point, you know, for some people that might like to get a refund every year, they might use it as a uh, kind of forced savings. 
Hmm. You might want to rethink that strategy if that's you because of the fact that these refunds have been delayed. They could continue to be delayed. So if you're really, you know, using this as a savings and expecting that check, you know, you could have a, a serious delay with that check. And so, you know, maybe not having extra withheld, uh, you know, you might want to reevaluate that this year. To your point, Michael, I just saw a stat this week that said uh, for every one person at the IRS, there are 16,000 calls for them to field. Uh, so just talking to how horribly understaffed they are, which is frustrating, right? If you've got a question, if you've got an issue uh, to try to get through to anyone who can actually help you. That's right. And it's, um, you know, it's not just uh, individual taxpayers, you know, as uh, CPAs and enrolled agents and tax uh, preparers, you know, we have a special number that we can call to get to agents without having to go through the normal queue. And I can't tell you how many times over the last few months where we would call that number and we couldn't even stay on hold. They would just say, we're too busy, call back later. Oh, gosh. And uh, very frustrating when you're trying to help clients and you can't even get through to them. Uh, it, it, it's very frustrating. So I know we're frustrated as uh, preparers. I can only imagine, you know, individuals that are trying to do this on their own uh, probably have it even worse than we do. Anything specifically, Michael, to talk about when it comes to um, specific states like Ohio? Um, anything that we need to keep in mind this year? Absolutely. Yeah. So there are a number of uh, new uh, credits, for example, in Ohio. There's uh, a homeschool expense credit, scholarship donation credit, and uh, a credit uh, for um, tuition at certain schools. So, so there are a number of, of, of new things, you know, just right there, those credits for Ohio. And so, again, if you're preparing taxes on your own, um, I'm not sure if the software will ask you about those. It might, and if not, you might want to do a little research on your own. And then if you're using someone, um, again, just make sure you've provided, you know, all the information that your preparer is requesting to, to help that these aren't missed. And, you know, Michael, I think a lot of people get confused, right, between tax preparation and tax planning. But there are some strategies where, yes, tax preparation, it's what you do kind of leading up to April, but tax planning happens year-round. Can you give us just some high-level basics that maybe we all need to consider? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you mentioned, you know, um, Tax preparation time, the tax season, which is right now, generally January through April, you know, April 15th, you know, most tax preparers, we're so busy trying to get these returns out that we really can't take the time to plan for the current year. And so I know like uh, here at Allworth, you know, we, we really encourage our clients to talk to us, to meet with us, you know, from May till December. And we ask that, we, you know, they give us a little space during this high-pressured tax season. But, you know, during the year, um, there's a number of things that you can do. You know, you can go back and take a look at the prior year return a little bit in detail. You know, spend some time on that. Make sure you got everything. Nothing was missed. You can talk about the current year. You know, again, are you withholding correctly? Are you, you know, making estimated tax payments? Maybe you don't need to anymore if you adjust your withholdings. You know, are there... Uh, different ways to account for for different things. Are you going to be in a year where, you know, you might normally take the standard deduction, but there, you have some extra medical deductions or some extra charity where you might end up itemizing? And if you are and you're not used to that, you want to make sure that you you know keep track of those things that you might 
use uh, as an itemized deduction. So a number of things, and of course, you know, life events come up, a job change, retirement. Uh, you may be in a situation where you have a very low income year and you might want to accelerate some income. You might want to consider doing a, a Roth IRA conversion, for example. So, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I think the point is, you know, tax planning is year round. It's not, you know, February when you do your taxes. You really should do your taxes and then kind of separate the planning and, um, and spend time on that. You mentioned February. It gets more like March or April for a lot of the procrastinators out there. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you to Michael Mariski uh, for sure. some great perspective tonight on what you can expect this tax season and how you can think about maybe planning for taxes, strategies year-round. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Have you heard about this? Travel industry is throwing out buy now, pay later deals. If you're thinking about a huge vacation this summer, we're going to help you decide whether this might be the right option for you straight ahead. All right. So, you know, by now, maybe you're getting closer to retirement. You're realizing Social Security obviously isn't going to cover everything. If you listen to the show at all, we say that on just about a daily basis. So if you're wondering, okay, maybe I don't have as much in my 401k. I'm worried about making ends meet. Well, Steve, I think we know a lot of people who are burnt out on the career they've always sure. done, tired of that, tired of the stress that it brings and that kind of a schedule, but want to do a little something to make some income and to just stay busy in retirement. Yeah, and I, I think it's good that you stay busy, whether you know it's income-related or not. You've got to yes. keep your mind active. But, yeah, this is something I see on a regular basis. Sometimes it's just, hey, I'm done with the honey-do list. I, you can only play so much golf. I, I need something that, that keeps me busy. And, by the way, a couple extra bucks wouldn't hurt, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, one thing I want to get out of the way right off the bat, Amy, is, you know, people are worried about, well, wait a second, I'm drawing Social Security. Isn't there a limit to how much? I can earn. And in 2022, that number is $19,560. Okay, so what's what's that mean? Well, first of all, that's only earnings from a job. If you take a distribution from an IRA, that doesn't count against it. So yeah. if you go out and you get a side hustle, if you if you decide to you know be a starter at a golf course or whatever, and if you are not yet full retirement age, that's the second issue. Yes. If you're not yet full retirement age, then you've got to be very aware of that $19,560 number because anything you earn on a job over that amount is going to reduce your Social Security benefit. Once you hit full retirement age, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You, you yeah. can make a million bucks a year. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so let, let, let's get that out of the way. But, yeah, there's there's some really neat things to do, and I, I, I know people, I'm sure you do, that have had real fun, entertaining jobs in retirement to keep them busy and, and occupied and make a few bucks. One thing I learned a few years ago, and I think this makes a ton of sense, there are hard skills and soft skills, right? And soft skills are like communicating, writing, right? right. Things that don't change. Hard skills are like the latest Adobe editing software, things like right. that, that are, you know, technology related, it, harder maybe to stay on top of. But the older that you get and the better that you are with some of those soft skills, the more those are needed. When you think about professors at colleges, right? Sure. Often they don't, they're in their 80s and they still bring a ton to the table. So the kind of like, lecturing at a local school, a, a, a community college, something like that. Yeah. Um, I've met several people who um, will tutor. 
Yeah. You know, you do it at your pace, at your time, make a little extra money, and you still bring a ton to the table. If you like to write, what about a blog? Now, you may not make a ton of extra money. It, it takes a while to get a following with that, but it's a it's a great outlet, and you can make some money. Yeah, I I, I was uh, just yesterday. I, I was with a friend. Um, he's been a friend for twenty years. We were out flying, and and that's one of the things that he does. Is he he's been a flight instructor for years. Now he retired from a family business when he was 60. That's pretty young, and yeah. you need something to keep you busy. So he found two things. One, number one, flight instruction, basically beer money. You know, something he does yes. for fun. But the other thing in his family business, he got very good at Excel, and you're just doing spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. So he went over to Cincinnati State and taught there for a number of years. I, I, I mean, this is a way where you feel you, you have value. You know, and too many people go into retirement saying, you know, I, what's my value? What's my self-worth? And you have a lot of knowledge that you can give to the next generation. That's one way to do it where it fulfills your needs and it fulfills their needs also. And the pay isn't bad either, whether you, yes. you, know, whether you need it or not. It's nice to get compensated for your work. I think so many of us don't give ourselves a break, right? What you do and what you have done for years is so much more easily transferable than I think that you ever maybe think about. And there are definitely components of what you did in your job that maybe you don't want to do those high stress things anymore, but can you consult? Yeah. You know, can you help someone get their business to the level that that yours was or help them figure out a better way to do things? I, I jokingly was on a school tour yesterday with some friends who are um, they've toured, you know, so many schools already with their daughter, who's a junior. And they said they should hire you to be a consultant on these tours because she's like, <laughs> they tell too many stories. And this place was too long. This place was just right. Right. Like Any experience that you bring to the table that can add value to someone, um, you can make money off of. That. You, you can. My dad, for years, was a handyman when when he was younger. Right after World War II, uh, he worked as a carpenter, and he never gave. You know, he never lost those skills. So, you know, one of the neat things he did when he retired was. Uh, he moved into a retirement community and, you know, somebody who's handy and can hang a picture, fix plumbing, stuff. They are in such demand. It's oh, not I bet he was incredibly funny. popular. <laughs> oh, especially yeah, in a in retirement community. There's a lot more women than men. Uh, he was widowed for years. Yeah. It, let's. Yeah. I'll he just, got like all the a, casseroles and cakes. Now, <laughs> now I'm getting uncomfortable with this story. But yeah, that dad was very popular, to say the least. Yeah. But the, these are great examples of, you know, things you can do in your spare time to keep you active. And that's the whole key in retirement is stay active mentally and ideally physically if you're able. House sitting, pet sitting, right? No special skills involved there. And with pet sitting, uh, you know, you've got someone there to kind of keep you occupied, entertain you. So all great options. Here's a Simply Money point. Having a side gig to supplement your Social Security benefits can provide additional income, keep you mentally stimulated, just give you freedom to continue using your unique talents. So are you ready to travel? Just get out there again after the pandemic. We're going to look at whether buy now, pay later deals are worth your money next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, the travel industry is just banking on the fact that we are all going to get out there and travel again this year. And Steve, research shows, and I know anecdotally, I've talked to people, not only are we getting out there and traveling, but they're bigger trips than we've done because we've just been cooped up for a few years. And as a way to pay for that, and I think this is super interesting, Delta has partnered with American Express Mm -hmm. to do their version of buy now, pay later on their flights. 
I know, and this this is kind of a big deal because American Express was always, oh, uh, no, you, Visa, you can just pay the minimum. American Express, no, you had to pay that in full. Yeah. So, you know, that this is this is a major change. I started seeing it on my American Express bill, it had to be a year ago, that there was this thing called Planet uh, on, you know, P-L-A-N-I-T, uh, on the, the larger purchases. And, you know, when I looked into it, it's, okay, that's where you can pay it off over a period of time. And now with Delta, with that partnership, if you go on a flight that's more than 100 bucks, you can plan it. You can play it, uh, pay it off over time. This is a major change with the whole concept of American Express. But, yeah, they, they people are traveling more. There are bigger trips. And, you know, companies like Delta, they want to encourage you to spend more money, and that's one way they're doing it. I think back to the 22, 23-year-old Amy Wagner, and this would have been <laughs> would a train have, wreck. This would have ended badly. Well, yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, it opens this whole new world. And all France? These, sure. Yes, Europe? Sure. Sign me up for all these yeah. trips I can't afford because, yeah, I cannot afford a $500 plane ticket or whatever it was, but I can afford $100 this yeah. month. And, oh, and then someone calls a few weeks later and you want to go on a cruise? Well, yeah, I'll do that. And yeah. and that has been my concern all along with these buy now, pay later programs, right? And I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, they're like the old layaway plans. But the old layaway plans, you paid on something mm -hmm. until you had it paid off and then you got and it. And then you got it, yeah. These are instant gratification and then you're paying things off. So if you're someone who loves that instant gratification, my concern is you're going to buy too many things things, have too many payment plans going out there, and then we yeah. know that now it actually could impact your credit score. I, I, I know, and, and you know, it's not just, yeah, it's going to impact your credit score because you're basically, you're kind of borrowing the money. You're you, taking you know? out a loan. You are, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to impact your credit score. And guess what? There's about, the, the estimates I've seen are about 36% of the people doing these plan it or buy now, pay later deals. They're late on their payments, and interest gets charged when you're late on your payments, and your credit gets dinged. So, you know, these are things that, to me, it's just another way of getting in, get, getting yourself in trouble. You know, so if you do this, you've got to make the payments. You can't be late on them. You're going to pay interest. You're going to take a ding on your credit score. These are all good reasons for me to, to say I wouldn't do it. Yeah, RTFP, right? Read the fine print because yeah. you mentioned 36 people, 36 percent of people who've done this have had issues. And I've seen a similar percentage who say they've they've done a buy now, pay later plan in which they hadn't. It just didn't end well for them. I think what this ultimately leads to is buying things that you can't truly yep. afford. Yep. Um, you know, and yes, I get it. We all want to get out there and start traveling. But if you can't afford to go to Europe, you can't afford to go to Europe right now. If you can't afford to hit the Caribbean island, you can't. Maybe it's Gallenberg or Hawking Hills, but you can still go away and not have this kind of debt hanging over your head. I think that's the major concern for me. So keep an eye on these. They're going to be out there. There's going to be more and more options if Delta's doing it pretty soon. I'm sure any airline that you're on is going to offer this to you. Uh, so just beware. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. Can't listen to Simply Money every night? Well, subscribe to our podcast, Best of Simply Money, on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcasts.